Hey, it's producer Michael Miracle here with a quick word of thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. It's folks like you who make this workplace movement work. That's why we strive to highlight great authors and experts who bring phenomenal insight on how to bring Jesus into your workplace. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers, and together we'll make the I Work For Him mission a success. Thanks again for listening. Let's start the podcast. But thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon. You'll listen to us in so many different ways, whether you listen to the live broadcast on AM 579, 10, or FM 102.1, and maybe the rebroadcast on so many different platforms or the podcast. However you hear the show today, just know we prayed for you. We prayed that something we say will cause you to dig deeper in your faith, into connecting what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your 9 to 5. Business. We go into business to make a profit. In fact, our profits are considered, you know, if you listen to the news all day long, people that make a profit, that's evil. Uh, People, seriously, read the Bible. Profits are okay. But why do we make a profit? So we can grow the business? Yeah. Sell in more territories? Yeah. Employ more people? Yeah. Make a bigger impact? You bet. But as a Christ follower, should you have a different perspective on the profits? Are they all yours to keep? Should you be doing something different with the profits than your competitors, your non-Christ following competitors? Let's say you determine you determine to give away a percentage of your profits. What do you do then? Well, today we're going to hear from one such corporate executive, Tony Dale, with Sedera Health and the Karis Group from Austin, Texas. Tony's going to tell us what the Lord laid on his heart and how it's making an impact worldwide and right there with his employees in Austin, Texas. Tony Dale, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, thank you so much. It's a delight to be with you again today. Talk to me, Tony, about what's going on. When Martha and I were on location with you last month, which, by the way, was a riot. It was so much fun. We so enjoyed being on location, meeting some of your people, and then getting to spend time with you in Felicity. You know, you. But when you were giving us the tour, you showed us a wall in your office, and it had a bunch of push pins on it. I think I think that's what they were, but a bunch of spots on this world map, and. And you started to describe, hey, this is what this map is all about. Why don't you tell the audience, what's that world map all about? Well, I'd I'd love to do that. That world map is uh, actually a reminder to all of our staff uh, of where uh, a certain proportion of the company profits go. Uh, And it goes much beyond that because we make sure that – uh, every pinpoint, uh, if uh, the people that that represents are ever uh, in the Austin, uh, Texas vicinity, that they come, that they uh, share with the staff in person what they're doing, uh, that our staff can ask questions. And uh, it's also a goal uh, that uh, each of our staff would uh, choose the, the time and opportunity to go out and actually visit uh, in these different situations that we're involved with worldwide. So you're saying not only do you designate a certain percentage of your profits, but you also want your people to go invest some of their time into those same ministries. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We we not only want that, but we actively encourage it. Uh, So all of the staff have... Uh, a full week uh, of paid leave that can be used for mission trips, uh, meaning they, uh, they're not using up their personal time off. They're allowed to take a, a week outside of that to go on mission trips, uh, and we'll pay them during that week. All right, and we're going to dig deeper into that because I want a lot of people to understand this because what this, this show today, my hope is that as this replayed thousands of times over the next several years, the people, business owners and leaders that are listening to this will go, hey, if Tony Dale is doing that, 
that in Austin, Texas. We can do that right here in Tampa, Florida, San Francisco, California, Baltimore, Maryland, and beyond. I mean, that's that's the goal with the show today. I really am excited about your example that you're setting. So why don't we just step back a bit and just talk about how do you handle giving as a corporation? Okay, well, that's uh, an incredibly important question, and it really comes uh, right back to the sort of uh, core reasons uh, of why we exist as a business. Um, when I first started Keras back in 1996, uh, I, th- I thought of it mainly as, uh, I guess, what a lot of Christians would call tent making. It was a way for uh, me to make money uh, in my spare time uh, so that I could devote my time to various other things that the Lord was asking me to do. Uh, and, and the Lord was very good and gracious, and he took us, uh, you know, at the level of understanding that, that I brought to the situation. Uh, and, you know, for the first 10 years, uh, having got the company off the ground, I, I didn't really do much of the day-to-day running. I hired other people who would do that so that I could be out on mission trips and uh, doing all, all the sorts of things that uh, I thought were perhaps the most important. Uh, but it was uh, coming up to about the year 2010, so I guess I'd been running the business for 14 years at that stage, and I was seriously looking at maybe selling the business. Well, Tony, Tony, uh, can I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang yeah. on to that point. Write down that. Hey, you're you're at the part where you were thinking about selling, but I want to step back because you just said something that absolutely is exactly the understanding that I thought that, that I had as well, that, that I was a tent maker, that I was out in the industry and I was making money so that when I had time, I could take that money I was making, I could go and do ministry. I mean, that's what you said, right? The, I mean, you, you, you looked at your job just as a supporter for the ministry you were doing outside of your job. Correct. Mm, okay. And of course, we're going to dig deeper into that, but that is exactly where I was at. And there are so many people listening today that have been taught or they understand the teaching from within the organized church that they're at, that, that that's their job. Go out, make money, bring it back in, invest it in the ministry of the church so they can do ministry within the walls of the church. And, and it's just such an, that, that's just such a deception from the enemy. It is. So I want to go back to that, but I just wanted to echo that, that that you had said that, that you looked at your calling as an executive of a healthcare supporting company, the Caris Group, and and then finally, Sidera, later on, that, that you found that secondary to your calling of doing ministry outside of the workplace. Uh, well, yeah, that would be an absolutely accurate description. And, you know, it's all the stranger that I had that misconception uh, when prior to moving over to this country, uh, alongside my medical work, I'd been uh, teaching, uh, you know, physicians primarily all over the United Kingdom and into many other parts of the world how to actively integrate their faith in their work. Uh, And the key presumption of that uh, really was that every part of our life is integrated, that we seek first the kingdom uh, in everything we do. Uh, And so I knew the concept that my medical work uh, was as active in the kingdom of God as any so-called ministry I might do. And yet moving over here and with the changes that went on in my life, uh, I didn't sort of integrate that thinking into my business. Uh, and God needed to grab hold of me so that I would do that. So you're saying that you moved from the UK to the US and your, your perspective on your faith and your work got screwed up. Uh, I, I would. I would say I inadvertently 
began to think that the ministry, and I'm putting that sort of in quotes, was really the important thing. Because I moved over here to continue what we were propagating to doctors around the world, thinking that this was my call, my ministry, and not realizing that God's perfectly free uh, to use me in any way he chooses, and that that means he's going to integrate everything he asked me to do uh, into a place where it really is my ministry. All right. So going back to your story, 2010, you're frustrated. You're working all the time to make money so you can go do ministry work, and you're thinking about selling the Karis Group. Uh, absolutely. And uh, my CEO, uh, we had entered into a buy-sell agreement. He was interested to accelerate that. And I thought, this is a great idea. That that, that means that, you know, I'll receive a lump sum of money, and uh, that's probably enough that Felicity and I can live on uh, and that we can spend all of our time uh, in ministry. And to our absolute shock, when we go to the Lord on that and, you know, begin, as it were, laying our plans, uh, God, in his own sort of incredible supernatural ways, just began to make it crystal clear that we were completely misunderstanding what he was calling us to do. <laughs> but that is so cool because you heard him say that. You heard him do the proverbial slap upside the head, say, listen to me. That is not what I want you to do. I love that. Now, was that God speaking into Felicity or God speaking into Tony or God speaking into Tony and Felicity at the same time? You know, we, we found throughout our married life, and we, we've been incredibly blessed. We've had 46 years of wonderful marriage. Praise so God. That's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're very, very blessed. Uh, on these important things, he finds a way to speak to both of us, to make quite sure that uh, we're really in harmony with what's going on. Uh, and, you know, if, if there's time, I'll, I'll tell you how specific uh, that speaking was, because it was just absolutely remarkable. Talking about corporate giving, does your business have a plan for the profits that God has blessed you with. And, and what does that plan look like? I'm not saying every plan should look the same, but I'm saying if your organization is generating profits, there should be a plan. I think it's very clear in the scriptures that when God blesses us, it is not to just increase our standard of living. That most of the time, when we've been given extra that it is to increase our standard of giving. And we're talking today with Tony Dale from Sidera Health and from the Karis Group. And he's right in the middle of a big story as he and his bride of 46 years, Felicity Dale, are praying about selling the Karis Group and they come together and God says, wait a minute, that's not my plan. Pick it up from there, Tony. Okay, well, I mean, it, it really is that specific. It's, it's remarkable. We, we had been talking and, uh, you know, sort of moving towards uh, uh, selling to our CEO, uh, but both of us had a growing sort of disquiet in our hearts. Uh, well, one night, um, you know, we're, we're sleeping, and the pool alarm goes off. We, you know, we had a bunch of young grandkids at that stage who were often at the house, and, uh, you know, this alarm was designed so that uh, if something splashed in the pool, uh, that it would, it would trigger. Uh, well, so in the middle of the night, this goes off, so we rush out, and there's nothing happening out there, and we turn it off. Uh, and Felicity can't go back to sleep, so she uh, opens up her Bible, and she's uh, reading in the prophet Haggai. Uh, and uh, as she's reading, she comes to a verse, and in the older versions, it probably says, you know, on the eighth day of uh, Asaph or whatever, uh, you know, a Hebrew month might be. Uh, but she was reading in the New Living T uh, Translation, uh, and it said, uh, and uh, on 
I think it was September 22nd. Uh, and she's just lying there in bed thinking here in the middle of the night. And she says, man, I wonder what date it is. Uh, and she, she opens her iPhone and it says today is the 22nd of, of September. And she says, oh, my goodness, this is, uh, you know, uh, uncanny. And she looks at the passage again, and she wakes me up, and she says, Lord, uh, Tony, I, I, I think the Lord's saying something to us today, right out of this passage. Uh, and as we just began praying and digging into that passage, we had this overwhelming sense that God was speaking to us about our business. And that sense was so strong that the two of us planned uh, and said, well, we're going to go away for three days. We're going to just take some time before the Lord, and we're going to make quite sure that we're in the process of making the right decisions. And so we set that time up for maybe a, a few weeks later, uh, but we began digging into the book of Haggai, and then we moved on into Zechariah. They're both covering sort of similar things. And the Lord began speaking to us literally day by day out of his word, just so clearly. Oh, I thought maybe there's something coming up after that. Okay, so he was speaking to well, you. Well, there, there could be if what? you want. I'm just not sure how much time we're going to Well, have. no, I mean, I, I mean, the, the thing that prompted all of this was we're talking about giving, and you really thought that, you know, you needed to sell the Karis Group so you could focus on doing ministry, and yet the Lord stepped in front of you and stopped this because obviously he stopped it because today the Karis Group still exists and you're still the owner. So how did God move you from... I'm Tony Dale. I own a business, and I own the business so that I can make money and do ministry. To the Tony Dale I know today, who says my business is my ministry. Uh, well, uh, you know the scriptures were so integral in this, and obviously how the Holy Spirit sort of interpreted them to us. But uh, as, as we dug in, as we went for those few days away together to just sort of think and pray about this major decision. Uh, because we were digging into Haggai and Zechariah, they're both sort of about rebuilding the temple and that time in Israel's history. Uh, we, we came to that section in the middle of uh, Zechariah uh, where it, it uh, says uh, essentially that, you know, uh, the, the people who uh, laid the foundation stones of rebuilding the temple uh, were also uh, going to be those who were there uh, at the completion. They would know when their job was done. Uh, and we felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to us, your job isn't done yet. You laid the foundation. You'll know when the capstone, the sort of finishing stone, is put in place. And this is where it just gets unbelievably specific uh, because it says, and you'll know that because when you lay the sort of finishing uh, capstone, the people will shout, grace, grace. Now, our company is called Keris, which is the grace. Greek word for grace. <laughs> and the, the Lord just put into our hearts, we would know that specifically, that there would be like a, a, a jubilant chorus of, my, what Keris, what Keris has accomplished. Uh, and we knew we hadn't got to that place yet. And, and we said, Lord, we're, we're here. The business is yours. Show us how and what it is you want us to do in and through the business. And, uh, and that's what the last seven years have been a journey into. Wow, that is so cool. And, and so tell, tell us how, after that time, you shifted your corporate giving. I mean, because you've got a pretty specific corporate giving plan. And we don't have to talk percentages. That's not the important part. But you decided to set aside some of the corporate profits and start giving it to ministries. But you got your employees involved, too. What, what does that look like today? 
Okay, well, we had already prior to that committed to the Lord that the first 10% of company profits would go uh, straight out to him and his work. Uh, but, you know, we had... We'd got lazy. I don't know how else to describe it. We'd begun allowing this money to stockpile uh, so that we could perhaps do bigger projects. That's what we were thinking. But then we moved into 2008, 2009, the recession, and uh, because I wasn't that involved, I didn't even notice what was happening because I was still mainly out in ministry and the company was being run by, you know, the great team who were looking after it. Uh, but as finances got tight, they began digging into this reserve. And it, of course, it wasn't a reserve. It was committed to the Lord. Uh, but it was the only sort of larger sums of money we had lying around. Uh, and as I'm beginning to say, Lord, you know, what does it look like for me to re-engage? The Holy Spirit brought to our attention that this money we had put aside for him had actually been spent to keep the company doors open. And I knew we had to put that right. And that was the first thing we did was from that month when we realized that, we said, Lord, not only will we give you the, the 10%, which we're now going to calculate on a monthly basis rather than annually so that we're not tempted to spend it, uh, you know, because there are ways you can, I was going to say fudge the books. There are, you know, legitimate ways where uh, you, you can alter what are your expenses and what are your profits. Uh, and I began realizing that, that we were marginalizing what went to the Lord, but not only would we give that 10% right off the top every month, that we would also start paying back every penny that had been in that fund, uh, and that we would give 5% every month towards that until that had been paid off. And from that month onwards, we have only ever had one month where we did not make a net profit. That's a great story. I love the fact that you were prompted to pay it back. And it's and really, that's just it's all a faith step. I mean, really, that's a faith step. It's saying, OK, Lord, I know I really probably need these profits, but I'm going to trust you. I mean, it's not like God's sitting out there. I demand 10 percent. He's saying, Tony, I don't want you to be dependent on yourself. I want you to be dependent on me. You and your people, I want them to know that I am the Lord God Almighty, that I am the God of heaven's armies, that I am the Alpha, the Omega, and I want you to be dependent on me. I mean, that's really the lesson you've been learning, isn't it? To put your faith in him every month because you're giving him 10%. Uh, absolutely. And we're, we're not putting that 10% somewhere where we can ever grab it. We're saying, Lord, you're our source. Even the business is not our source. God is our source. So how have you involved your employees in this giving plan? Well, they're involved in, uh, in quite a variety of ways, but I'd say the foundation uh, is that we've created what we call a first fruits team or committee, uh, because the first fruit belongs to the Lord. Uh, and so uh, that team is uh, led, if you like, by my wife, who's uh, also a member of our board. Uh, but then the rest of the team uh, is made up uh, not only uh, of another family member, because we want our family learning these principles, uh, but also uh, a variety of staff are on that team. Uh, and uh, the staff, and then my wife, and at the moment my daughter, uh, they re uh, meet together on a regular basis and sort of seek the Lord together and uh, also try and draw the rest of the staff into the process to be thinking uh, about what's important and how do we as a company uh, want to find ways to, to give our money outwards. 
So they're involved not only in how to give the money, but where to where to send the money as well. So they're choosing organizations as well. The First Fruits uh, Committee. Uh, they are. Uh, the First Fruits Committee uh, take responsibility for a big chunk of the giving that comes out of the company, uh, and they help shape the choices. Uh, now, obviously, in that context, for many of them, this is kind of a, a new area to think about. Uh, and so Felicity is very engaged in uh, helping the team really learn to think strategically and to think about what can happen if we're consistent uh, in really getting behind certain projects. Mm. Tony, we've talked about the story of uh, of just how you got to recognizing that, you know, God was telling you, no, Tony, I don't want you to look at your business as business and your ministry as ministry. I want you to I want you to turn around and recognize that your business is a ministry. When you made that switch to recognize, to come back and re-recognize that your work at the Caris Group and then in the future at Sidera Health is ministry, when you realize that, how different was it getting up every day and driving to the office? Uh, you know, actually, it was extremely different uh, because all of a sudden I realized in going into the office, I was actually fulfilling the call that the Lord is making on my life at this point in time. Uh, and that uh, there's no such thing as this artificial separation between, you know, work and ministry. Uh, all of our life is part of a whole. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in, uh, in everything I do. Uh, and so as, you know, sort of chairman of the board and founder of the company, I was uh, really beginning to rethink the issues of what does it mean to put Jesus at the center of everything we do? Uh, for example, for our staff, uh, they spend far more time uh, here at work uh, than uh, any of them, including the most active Christians among the staff, uh, would spend uh, associated with church activities. Uh, but since the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, uh, that means if, if the bulk of their sort of waking hours are spent here, how, how are we helping to disciple them, to help them mature, to uh, grow in their faith, to let their life be a witness in a ministry in the same way I'd want my life to be? So that began sort of shaping my thinking. And and as it has shaped your thinking, it has also impacted your employees. You said in the last segment that you guys created this first fruits team, that Felicity heads up the team and your daughter's involved, that you can be strategic with how to take those first fruits from uh, the Karis Group and from Sidera and put them to work in the kingdom. How many employees do you have on that on that committee or on that team? Uh, I think there are six. Wow, that's a lot of people. Okay, so you, you and, and young and old, and well, you have mostly young people working for you, but young and old, and from lots of different backgrounds. Uh, well, yes, uh, absolutely, and um, we we welcome you know a anybody to to work with us who uh, want, wants to be a great employee. So uh, we have no specific sort of faith requirements uh, for employees, uh, but that doesn't mean that. Uh, you can't be actively discipling them towards the kingdom right. just in, in the way you live, in the way your business functions. Uh, so, you know, one of our staff uh, wanted to, to travel uh, on a sort of mission trip over to Moldova uh, with some things that were going on. One of his family members is very involved in a church, and uh, he thought it'd be fun to go and help. And they were literally going to be helping a small group of Christians build a new facility. 
Uh, and so we, we welcome that, and we provide not only the time off, uh, but for uh, him to be paid uh, during that week over there. So, so that they know this is a high priority, that they are growing in their own expressions of, uh, of what faith and generosity look like. So you're helping them put their faith into action in their office, in the office and outside of the office. Talk to me about, do you, so the, the company, your, your companies, they contribute into this first fruits so that people, so can, you guys can designate it out. Do you give the employees a chance to, to give out of their paychecks into some of these ministries as well? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Like uh, many other companies out there, we provide a matching funds program, uh, and any employee can give to uh, any 501c3. Uh, The only thing we've requested uh, is that that, uh, whatever they want us to give matching funds toward would not be inconsistent with our faith. So we're not saying they have to give, you know, to, uh, to a Christian organization, uh, but we're saying they mustn't give to something which would be actively working against what we stand for. Okay, so what have you, before we start talking about the different, com- uh, different organizations you're giving to, as a, as a leader, as a CEO and leader and owner of a couple of companies, and I know you've got leaders underneath you that are really running things uh, in a couple of businesses, what, what have you seen as the biggest benefit, or maybe a couple of the biggest benefits of corporate generosity? As you guys have learned to be generous givers from within the, the corporate sense, how has that impacted your companies? Well, it absolutely has impact because it builds a strong sense of community uh, within our team. Uh, For example, uh, we not only give money to, uh, but we take time off, uh, uh, typically on the uh, sort of months where there's a fifth Friday in the month. Uh, We take the afternoon off and uh, all go together uh, to something like uh, our local homeless work. There, there, there's a, a wonderful ministry here in Austin called Mobile Loaves and Fishes that in, engaged with the homeless and is literally building uh, a village of the, the tiny houses, if people uh, know what I mean by a tiny house, uh, where they're helping to, to rehouse the homeless and provide some of the mental health needs for them. Uh, and, and we go and get our hands dirty, uh, you know, on company time to help in something like that. It engages engages us in the community, uh, but we receive far more out of it in the community that it builds among our team than anything we're giving out to anyone else. So let's start digging into some of these ministries that you've chosen to help, because as I looked at your world map, as I walked through your offices last month, as I looked at that world map, I saw, I mean, you're, you're supporting ministries all over the place. How did you, how'd you go about choosing those? I mean, how'd you get started? Because I know you didn't start with 10 or however many you're supporting. You probably started one at a time. How did you start the process of choosing? Well, we we started in the early days with, uh, you know, groups that Felicity and I already felt personally committed to. Uh, And so people could see from uh, what we were doing uh, where our personal interests are. And uh, for for us, a lot of that interest has uh, been with the the things we observe happening in these rapidly growing house church movements around the world. So uh, we found, for example, a a lovely couple, a guy and Linda Muse, who uh, have been with the International Mission Board of of the Southern Baptists, but uh, some of the ways that the Lord was sort of leading them 
uh, they felt they would perhaps have more freedom uh, to do some of the things they sensed they should do if they moved out from under that particular denominational label as much as they, they loved and appreciated all they had received there. Uh, and so uh, we'd already been working with them uh, under that label when they asked if we would help support them when they moved into an independent status. Of course, we were delighted to do so. Uh, and I could give you many other examples of, uh, we, we, we like to identify, as it were, real people doing something uh, that we know not only we, but other people on our team could go and literally get their hands involved in what's going on so that it's very personal. Okay, so let's, so there, there's one. So that, let's just start listing the ministries off of what those ministries are doing. You got time for one of them before we go to break. Okay, well, if I, I, I just mentioned perhaps uh, one other that was uh, working in this same sort of house church movement. Uh, a, a lovely couple, uh, uh, Steve and Robin, uh, are, are working uh, in many countries out in the Far East and in the sort of uh, Indian uh, subcontinent, uh, helping pioneer these rapidly growing movements. And uh, that would be another place where lots of giving goes. Yeah, I, I've been. We've been hearing lots of reports about India, and you and I, and Martha and, and Felicity, talked about India, and and really the incredible reception of Christ in India. Yet there's a lot of persecution in India too to to people to not come, not be Christ followers. Uh, there is, but one of the power of house church movements, and you know, these folk have literally seen sort of. 10,000-plus churches start over the last decade, uh, is that because they're mainly sort of underground movements, the persecution usually bypasses the house churches uh, and goes straight to the more traditional structures because those structures are visible uh, and are, are part of what raises the antagonism of the Hindus or others in these countries. Wow, that's incredible. 10,000 house churches. I mean, that's um, even if there's 10 people in a church, that is that's a lot of people. That's 110 people in a church. That's 100,000 people. That's, the numbers get too big for me to do by my, in my head without a calculator. Tony Dale from Austin, Texas. He owns a couple of companies, the Karis Group and Sidera Health. These are companies, if you are a business owner or leader, you need to check them out. Now, Tony didn't tell me to say these things, but I study businesses. I study businesses run by Christ followers. And if they're making an impact on the kingdom, I want those businesses not to just grow, but to explode, explode all over the place. And the Karis Group and Sidera Health can take your healthcare needs as a corporation, as an organization, and solve those needs in a way different way than just health insurance. It's going to turn your world upside down. Check them out online at sedera.com, sedera.com. We're talking with Tony Dale today about giving, corporate giving, and how the Lord led he and Felicity to be generous with the profits of their company and what the Lord has led them to do. And, and Tony, we're just started to talk about some of the ministries that you're invested in. Go ahead and give us, oh, no, I know what I wanted to do before I did this, because I, I want to be funny before we get serious. So when Martha and I got to spend the night with Tony and Felicity Dale in Austin, Texas, back on uh, at the end of November. And as we did, we got up and we were going to leave Austin, Texas and head back home. Tony said he's going to make me a fruit smoothie. Now, for those of you that are out there, you know, smooth, I actually said smoothie, and I'm thinking fruit smoothie. I like fruit smoothies. They have fruit in them. That's really great. Tony starts getting out, and he, t he gets out the strawberries. We're going in the right direction. Then he throws in oatmeal. I'm like, well, that's twist, but that seems okay. Then he throws in yogurt. I'm like... Okay, okay. So then he gets out this big clump of spinach and throws it in there. I'm like, seriously, Tony, that's disgusting. It's going to look like 
I don't know. It'll look disgusting. He goes, no, but it tastes good. You barely can taste the spinach. Actually, he said you can't taste the spinach. That's a twist. You can barely taste the spinach. And he throws it into a smoothie, and we head out the door, 7 o'clock in the morning in Austin, Texas, and we had 18 hours and 1,200 miles of driving to get done. And we're driving it, and I'm an hour away, and I'm like, you know what, Martha? That wasn't half bad. There you go, Tony Dale. An endorsement of your smoothie making. I actually liked it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Maybe there's a new business for me then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Retail food, a little bit rough. Okay, going back to the really important topics of you, but you did throw that spinach thing was a twist. All right, but the real topic is how are you investing these, these 10%, the first fruits that you've set aside in your company to invest in Kingdom Impactful Ministries? What are some more of those ministries that, you're, that you guys are investing in? Well, I mean, let, let me give you a couple of examples. There's actually uh, one ministry we uh, are involved with, which is called Give a More. Uh, and uh, if you if someone looked up giveamore.org, uh, they'd be reading about uh, what these folk are doing with water wells uh, and just the incredible work bringing water wells into different parts of Africa. And uh, you know, this isn't a big thing. This is uh, this is real people from the Austin, Texas area, real housewife with very busy family life here, and uh, you know all of that. But with this passion to find a way to make sure that people could have clean water. And, you know, it was so exciting when uh, last month she came and uh, we had a lunch for all of the uh, all of our staff and for her and uh, one of her team to come and uh, just share with us what they're doing and the impact that providing clean water. Uh, it's, it's literally rescuing people from uh, from slavery because all of a sudden they're creating uh, work around where they bring water wells and uh, creating all sorts of other opportunities. Well, I mean, uh, or I think of a, of a wait, local group. I'm Stop it for a second, because the, the water well thing, most of us listening to this show have no idea what life is like without clean water. And yet Africa as a continent has trillions and probably even more than that of gallons of fresh water and aquifers underneath the entire continent, because that's where God hit them. Yet they don't access it. They're dealing with water that's running over land and it's filthy. It's filthy, dirty. And the clean water brings about human flourishing. It, that was part of God's plan, wasn't it? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, when Jesus describes himself as, you know, I, I am the living water there, uh, is it in John uh, 7 or 8? And, you know, uh, whoever comes to me out of him will well these springs of living water. Uh, in, in a sense, he's pointing uh, at something that we all know life doesn't continue without water. Uh, but tragically, if you have filthy water, uh, it actually becomes a source of uh, not just of pollution, but literally of death. Uh, and so, you know, into that context, there's so much illness that is waterborne uh, in a continent like Africa, and you just transform the, the life of a village by bringing uh, clean water to them. That's really cool. All right, next one. Okay, well, the next one I've got down here, I know we're not going to have time to touch on all of them, but uh, Samaritan Ministries, who uh, I, I think some of your programs are sponsored by, uh, run one of these large Christian healthcare sharing uh, ministries that uh, we as a business are engaged in. Uh, but they, uh, as a very strong sort of pro-life movement, uh, run some places uh, that they call mourning centers. Uh, these are actual birthing centers 
uh, in inner city areas where often health care is uh, pretty much missing, uh, especially for the poorest of the poor. Uh, and uh, they, they build in, in maybe, you know, downtown St. Louis or downtown Washington, D.C. or wherever it may be. These morning centers where uh, local women can come and they can have prenatal care right up to and through actually giving birth to the child. And so uh, we're very engaged with them in their morning centers. I love that. That's cool. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, okay. Well, uh, right here locally in Austin, there's uh, a prayer ministry that uh, some of the people wanted to get behind. It's uh, uh, led by uh, some women who are highly respected in the Austin Christian community. They've really been encouraging prayer across churches. Uh, they're also very engaged in uh, sort of uh, prayer ministry into some very deep sort of personal emotional areas and wounds uh, and so this uh, ministry Luke 418 ministries uh, we, we we've got behind them to try and help them expand uh, what they're doing because it's having uh, such an impact uh, another local in the sense of here in Texas uh, ministry uh, is actually something that has grown out of uh, the staff at Abilene Christian University uh, but they're building a, a sense of community uh, and living off the land in such a way where they can create a framework of discipleship. Uh, one of the professors has been very engaged in uh, teaching many of the uh, potential missionaries who would be going out through, uh, you know, the uh, Churches of Christ, I think is uh, the denomination that uh, runs Abilene Christian. Uh, and he's had a tremendous impact on generations of students, but uh, now they're, they're bringing even more community into uh, what they do so that people can see the church isn't just, uh, it isn't only the big thing, it's also the day-to-day -day living, and they're building mm -hmm. that into the life of people they work with. So uh, we, we've got behind them. Uh, and depending on your time, Keep I going. go on to Keep others. going. Okay, well, in, uh, in Germany, we uh, work with a group called Church in Action, uh, and uh, they are starting coffee shops, uh, which are a place of interaction between uh, the refugee communities and the local German communities. Uh, and they're providing a place where refugees and Germans are working together, are learning how to live together, and through giving coffee to the community, uh, are able to come into something uh, in a self-sustaining way. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, you know, the... The variety of the projects that people come up with are, are just awesome, and we, we love to let our staff sort of alert uh, us and each other to these things uh, so that people can not just be involved through what the company does, but pe can begin to give out of their own uh, choice, you know, through their own salaries, where the company will again match what they're doing. And, and how many different ministries do you guys support from the First Fruits team? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure, uh, and I don't think that's a very good answer. We, we probably currently support in the region of 10. Okay. Uh, one of the things we've had to learn is that you do need to have some focus. Uh, it's real easy to have a sort of scattershot. Uh, we hope, uh, you know, that this is hitting uh, where it's really accomplishing something good. Uh, but we've had to learn that you need to be a bit more strategic than that. Uh, and so Felicity, working with the First Fruits team, is helping them think through the implications of that uh, and how we can have long-term maximum impact with what we give. 
Long-term maximum impact. So let's talk about that. That long-term maximum impact. This generosity that the Lord in 2010 said, hey, I'm going to flip you. I'm going to flip you a little bit. I'm going to tell you, you need to keep your businesses. You need to add another business. And I'm going to teach you how to remind you how to minister in your business and use that business to be a a blessing to lots of other kingdom work and still let you do the kingdom work you wanted to do. How has that generosity impacted your marriage to Felicity, impacted you personally? Well, it's impacted us, I would say, in a number of ways. Um, I, I'm thinking of a verse that comes out of the Psalms. I think it's in Psalm 103, where it says God showed his ways to, uh, sorry, he showed his acts to the children of Israel, but he showed his ways to Moses. Uh, and, you know, I may be reading more into this than is really there, but it, there's the sense of anybody can see the good of any of these actions. Right. But understanding the methodology, the strategy, that what can be accomplished, that was something God chose to reveal to Moses, you know, to, to, to take responsibility. Uh, and we know we've been given a position of tremendous responsibility. Tony Dale, for- thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. I'm sorry, ran out of time. Thank you so much for being a supporter of iWork, for him to be and such an encourager. Thank you for living out the I Work For Him lifestyle. Thank you, Tony Dale. It's a pleasure. I work for him.